Hey friends, welcome back to the More Than Punk podcast. As always, I'm Seb Mackay, and this week I get to bring you a chat with a band that came to the show. I didn't know that much about them before their new record came out, but I'm very, very glad I had them on, and I'm very glad I got to get to know them. The band in question is the Seafloor Cinema. These guys have just released a new record. It's been doing fantastically. It's called in Cinemascope with Stereophonic Sound and it's out now on Pure Noise Records. And they mixed it with Courtney Ballard, who does Water Parks and Good Charlotte. Now, the reason this is so interesting and exciting is that C4 Cinema were, kind of are, I suppose, a math rock band. Hugely complicated stuff, but with really catchy pop style vocals over top the kinds of thing that'll get you singing along when you're in the shower walking around the house whatever it is but with absolutely masterful technical instrumentals underneath it's a really really interesting mashup and we talk about that a lot we being myself obviously and justin from the band so we talk about that a lot we talk about the journey of taking people from point A in a band's career through to point B. Now these guys have only been around since 2016, so there is a lot of ground for them to still cover in their career as a band. But they do some really, really cool and exciting stuff on this album, so I'm super excited to bring you this interview. I realize I've been talking for a while now, so without any further ado, this is myself and Justin from the Seafloor Cinema. You're on the Modern Punk Podcast. I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? Good. What time is it over there? Um, it's just gone 5 p.m. Dang, okay. I just Time's up here. Uh, 9 a.m. Okay, so I should probably keep the whiskey out of shot then. Would that be <laughs> weird? Well, you you keep the whiskey in shot. I just need to move my my whiskey in shot as well. Oh, very nice. Then, then we both look uh, like we're doing this at a reasonable time. Um, so the new record out now on Pure Noise, which is cool. They're a great label, great bunch of people. Um, is it fair to say that you kind of wanted to take this in a different direction to previously? Is that is that like a fair statement? Yeah, yeah. We pretty much uh, like we liked the direction our old stuff was going, um, but it was a little on the niche end of stuff, and so we tried to kind of like add more pop elements into that that's why we went to uh the man himself courtney uh to record because he does pop records uh and so yeah we were hoping that he would add a nice like sort of pop sheen on stuff and he definitely did so yeah i'm happy with it did did you wake up one day and go fuck it we're going to be more pop or were you kind of working on something in the background of the way that you do and just started naturally kind of you know going there well, initially how it came up was we, we had that kind of plan for a little bit where um, the stuff we were writing for the last album, it was weird because the stuff that we thought was going to like hit really hard with everyone didn't. And that was the very like out there, like weird stuff, the like very proggy structures. And uh, that did not end up hitting very well. And it was sort of the pop songs that kind of hit well. And then um, that just happened to come into where I was writing, like starting to write like a lot of synths and stuff like that. And so uh, Find Yourself and Tap Tap were the first two songs we wrote for the album. And uh, I was listening to almost exclusively like synth wave music. Nice. So yeah, there's a lot of that elements. Like if you like take out all the guitars and, and uh, yeah, pretty much all the guitars, uh, it's just a synth wave song. Uh, with vocals so yeah which which we might end up making in the future i've i've had that on my like to-do list is just like all right re- repurpose the song is just a purely synth wave song or both of the songs really and uh it's just easy to just mute all the other instruments and kind of add other bits in for the verses but uh yeah then with synths and stuff like that it's super easy to write more kind of accessible poppy music that and just make the vocals hook a little bit better so yeah. yeah were you super nervous about putting something out 
like that you know given that you you know to math sort of math rock band and then slightly more pop were you kind of going ah oh, fuck is this gonna like tank uh yeah um for so the if you haven't part... seen this podcast before it gets brutal <laughs> yeah no <laughs> um yeah no we were worried about it like tanking for a little bit but then we we've also played uh there was one point in time where i had uh really swollen tonsils and we had to drop all the shows for a month so i can get them removed and i couldn't sing for an entire month because of that uh because the surgeons were like do not sing for a month for over a month and uh we just wrote a metal set and uh i played guitar for it and so we just we we rewrote an entire uh set list just as like a hardcore band for a night and all the people that like us love that and so it was kind of just like okay so they're they're into like whatever so we're just gonna write whatever at this point and uh see if it sticks and it's also like as we were writing it it was kind of a cool element to add uh some like pop aspects to uh super technical like tappy crazy guitars um because i feel like that's not done super often and our producer was definitely very interested in that he's like i i don't that's a weird guitar part to put over this but let's let's do it and so he was very down for that kind of stuff and so as we were were going about it we were becoming less worried and it just kind of mixed really well i think i think it's easy to when you you know when you do interviews and it's sort of like oh your music's changed and blah 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 to pretend that people listen to music in a vacuum you know like oh you only listen to seafloor or whatever but that's just not true right and it's yeah. like you're not the first band to change tact or do something a bit different totally yeah and i don't i don't think it's something that's totally different is the thing um it's just kind of a different like way of looking at it. It's coming coming at it from a slightly different angle. And it's been pretty well received. I don't think we've gotten any like negative stuff on it so far. And um Yeah, like no, it's it's funny you mentioned that because none of us really listen to I mean we do listen to Math Rock, but that's not like our main stuff that we listen to. Uh like uh tim listens to a lot of uh punk uh and pop punk i listen to just like metal and pop and uh seth listens to i don't know what seth listens to hyper pop not not the beatles it just listens like to silence <laughs> yes yeah, Seth that just has internal screaming happening all the time uh so yeah like you you come at it with a bunch of different aspects from different angles and it becomes a little bit different. You kind of meet in the middle at where we are currently, but it doesn't start out being that way. Like I don't, I don't exclusively write math rock songs. I just send it to Seth and then he throws stuff on top of it. That kind of leads it more in the seafloor kind of direction. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was kind of, I had an era on Jesse and JT a few months ago. And it's kind of like talking to them about, you know, whatever it is, the country songs that they write or the emo songs that they write or whatever, just because they're fucking around with guitars and lyrics in their spare time. And it, it's like, I don't, I don't think anyone really believes, well, I hope that no one really believes that you exclusively write one kind of music and never ever deviate from it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and that's also very apparent on the album as well. Uh, there was a couple songs that weren't actually supposed to be on there. And then... Uh, producer liked them and was like we're let's put them on and then the label also liked them so it's like okay sick we're, we're adding a hyper pop song on dope uh but it, it's not it's also not super far-fetched that we did that because people liked it and there's still like technical guitars and stuff like that in it and so even like it's coming at it from a much different angle but it's still the same like kind of seafloor type sound for the most part yeah do you do you pay much attention to social like twitter instagram comments youtube comments all of that kind of stuff when you drop a new record uh we try to pay as much attention to it as we can um 
obviously if it's getting to us we'll like kind of take a step back and stuff like that uh i feel like we're pretty good with communicating when we when we feel overwhelmed about stuff like uh me for instance i have a very like uh, uh like short tolerance for that kind of stuff and so no, like less less in the way of like dang people are being mean and more of just like well i feel uh very socially exhausted right now i'm going to take a break and so like i have a very hard limit to where like i'll res i'll sit there and respond for a couple hours and then i just go well, that's I'm I'm exhausted right now. I need to take a break and do something else before I start like like going crazy about it kind of thing. The other guys are much better about that. They can sit there and respond for hours and 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 just sit there all day. But yeah, like if it if it starts getting to you, if you start getting anxious, then just I stop looking at it. I mean, that's a good rule for for social in general, let alone when you're dropping an album, right? Yeah. The guys in um, Capstan read their negative YouTube comments um, for shits and giggles. And I'm like, you guys have got thick skin. Yeah. Yeah. And for the most part, that stuff can actually be pretty funny. Um, it's just like whatever mood that you're in. Sometimes on certain days, it hits in a really funny way. It really is. Okay. Cool, I guess. But then, uh, other days you it just gets to you so you just have to be very uh cautious of that stuff yeah i think the like the thing for me um <laughs> is when you sort of get people that maybe like don't do the thing that you do they don't make music or they're not in it or whatever and they sort of pontificate about all this sort of stuff and you look at it and you're like that wouldn't work or like how would that be yeah. you know how would that be a thing or like how could i write the same album 20 times in a row and like not want to shoot myself in the head <laughs> yeah that's that's true and yeah even, even our producer was like yeah always got to change because there's a handful of bands that he knows who've just locked themselves in by writing the same album like three four five times and now they're bored of it and basically they can't stray away because if they even try to stray away from it their fan base gets upset about it so you always have to consistently be evolving uh regardless of whether people like it or not because look look at a band like bring me the horizon obviously they're not like the same like deathcore or some whatever how, however they started out but and and people are mad about that there's a handful of people who are very upset about that but they appeal to a much wider audience. And I think, well, for me personally, are writing much better music just because they're using so many different outside influences and going in a totally different direction than anyone else has gone. And so I think the stuff is dope. And the people who like them back at the early days might not, but that's that's neither here nor there because the old stuff is still there for you to listen to kind of thing like if they wrote the same album 12 times uh you probably also stop listening because it's just the same thing like you can go back and listen to the first album it's, and it's exactly the same yeah and i think sometimes bands are, are lucky enough that you know their fans grow up with them right like as, as a yeah. longevity thing i mean like bring me have been around for a really long time it's, it's hard to like think about it now, but it's it's been well over a decade. And it's kind of like, holy shit. They're, you know, they are an old band. Yeah. Yeah, their, their evolution's been pretty crazy, uh, especially with the new stuff where I'm like, every time they put out something, I, I need to listen to it right away because I'm like, I don't know where this is going to go. I have absolutely no idea what, what this is going to touch on. And the last song I listened to, I'm like, I paused it. I'm like, that was a weird hyper pop build in there. That's fu that's fucking sick. I like it. Um, but I, I definitely wasn't expecting that to happen. So cool. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. For me, that's the spirit was the hook where I'd sort of not really listened to them much before. I'd kind of been like, uh, not really into it. And then that album got me into it. And then after that, I was just backwards and forwards and, and like all over the shop. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember listening to, um, I think it was Ammo, and I remember people pretty pretty much hating it 
for the most part because I think that's where they went like most pop and then started coming out and like branching off in different directions. And I actually didn't like it at first either, but it kind of grew on me more and more. And it, I realized it was just a much different turn than their old stuff. Even it was uh, Sempaternal right before that. Uh, was Couple of, yeah, something like that. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember. But um, yeah, like it was a different turn than that. And I just wasn't expecting it. But the, like I listened to it like a couple weeks later, a couple more times. And I'm like, dang, this is really good. And then they put out new stuff and it's even better. And they start like branching off in different directions. And I think I mainly didn't like it uh, when I first listened to it because I was going in expecting something to be very different than how it actually was, uh, regardless of it, of, of how good it was. I just came in with a different perspective and different expectations. I don't remember the last time I listened to a song and the first time I went, I fucking love this song for, you know, for even from bands that I like. Right. And there've been a few that have put out singles in the last couple of months and I've listened to them and I've been like, what the fuck are you doing? And I, cause I'm guilty of that too, like everyone else. Right. And then the sort of yeah. fourth or fifth time around, I'm like, actually, this is good. Like I get this. I, I get where you're coming from, but yeah, I can appreciate that there's always a, um, a curve i guess of, of some kind like you sort of having to get used to them growing up right totally yeah and there's even like um i remember you know the band uh a lot like birds right mm. yeah so um i actually went to high school with uh kurt's sister and basically i was just talking to her one day and she was like oh yeah my brother's band's th this and i'm like oh okay cool like i queued him up on um it was iTunes at the time. And uh, I was like, cool, I'll listen to them. And I listened to them and I fucking hated it. I was like, this sucks. I really don't like this. But there was something about it that just scratched an itch for me where I just kept listening to it over and over and over again. And each time I'm like, dang, I hate this. But then there was just a sudden switch where one day I'm like, this is the best thing ever. And I don't, it, it was just unlike anything that I'd heard at that point. At that point, I didn't even like Dance Gavin Dance either. And mm. um, so that was kind of my first experience with that kind of music. And I, it, it was weird because it just took me a little bit. And I was the same way with Periphery as well. It just took me a little bit to understand what was happening. And then once I did, it was just a quick switch in my brain where I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever heard in my life. This is dope. And yeah, it's it's just weird how sometimes your expectation is different than uh, what is actually on paper. And like, even if it isn't, because I had no expectation going into that, it was just a little bit different than anything that I've ever heard before. And it just took my brain a second to like wrap, wrap itself around the music uh, before actually liking it. And that was that was like my conversation piece was like my top album in high school like that was the peak of music for me and it still is I, I listen to it all the time it's great I, I feel like it took me months to get my head around dance Gavin dance I like and I remember someone sent it to me and they said you have to listen to this it's really really good and I was like yeah I trust you I'll put this on and I got like halfway through the first song and I was like I don't trust you anymore what the fuck is this <laughs> like, Do you remember what song it was um, I want to say Death of a Strawberry. Oh, okay. And I, and I was just like, what do you, like, you know, like at the time I was like, you know what I like? I like the Wonder Years. I like, you know, and, and then you're giving me this. I'm like, what, what do I do with it? But after yeah. a while, I was like, actually, I, I kind of get it now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad someone else had that same experience because I'll, I'll sometimes tell that to people and they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think sometimes we just don't want to admit it that we like don't get the things that we're into because it makes us sort of seem like not cool but i've never accused been accused of being cool when it comes to music so i'm i'm fucking <laughs> i'm happy to admit all these things hell yeah um we were talking about twitter a little bit there and i remember like when the newer data remember album came out everyone was sort of i say everyone in air quotes was mad about it the album sold like hotcakes oh, yeah. right it did really well do you the guys, new one you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Do you guys find that 
it's a, a you know as a fan or or as a band it's sometimes just a vocal minority that kind of skews the way you think that people feel about the stuff you're putting out um y- yes and no uh we don't really have a whole bunch of pushback when it comes to like w- how we change stuff usually it's a, a pretty vocal um majority i would say or minority i don't know there could be a lot of people being quiet that they actually secretly hate it um those are the pretty, best kinds of people yeah it's like cool okay you don't like it sick but um yeah for the most part all the the people that we're hearing from really enjoy the new change and stuff like that and appreciate the direction that it's going and so yeah i i, I don't know the that bring me the horizon album or oh, not bring me the horizon uh, a day to remember album i i also again that was an album that i didn't like at first too and then the more i listen to it i'm like i like almost almost every song on that so yeah um i th- i think the people around us kind of understand that a lot of people are musicians themselves and so they're pretty understanding to like oh, okay different change hold on let me like listen to it and wrap my head around it for a little bit and then i'll i'll make a comment about it something like that so yeah that and then the people around us are very understanding to where they're like dang that didn't hit very hard but i'll just stay quiet about it because that's a little bit hurtful but like we we understand what people like in in terms of uh responses and and stream numbers and stuff like that so it's it's pretty obvious to us like what's doing well and what's not <laughs> Uh, do you worry about or like fixate on your stream numbers and that kind of thing? Um, yes and no. Uh, if if something's not doing well and there's something we can do about it, then we'll try to fix it. Uh, but if not, it's fine. It's like okay, people didn't like that. Cool. We that's write that down. Noted sick now we now we understand but um yeah for the most part the streams are the streams and uh if there's something that we can like like the mentality that i have just for life in general is that like okay there's two options either we can do something about it in which case let's do something about it and fix the problem that we have or there's nothing i can do about it so why bother myself by being upset about it like just try something else in the future and maybe that'll work kind of thing. So yeah, but, but when a song's doing great, it's a uh, great feeling. So yeah, like I think uh glimmer just hit 10,000 streams. Nice. That, nice. Or was there uh last night? Check right now. I'm curious, but um, yeah, for the most part, Ooh, yep. 10 K. Okay. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that's approximately yeah. five US dollars, right? Yeah, we're making it back, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks, Spotify. But yeah, like, uh, not stressing about it too much, but I, I like the way our stream numbers are going. So, and there's, and, and it only goes up from here, hopefully. So, yeah. And I think too, sometimes it's easy to forget, um, as fans necessarily, not as, not as artists, that like art is about taking risks sometimes and you have to try new stuff and you know if you're not taking risks then i guess you're not really pushing yourself and if you're not pushing yourself like what's the fucking point yeah totally and like it's funny you mentioned that because the one of the songs that's being like pretty well received is uh john henry the man who beat the machine i think that's what it's called don't quote me on that um and that was a song that I just wrote as an Omnisphere like test demo because I just bought it that day. And I was like, let me just write a song with a bunch of presets. And I didn't even show it to the band. I didn't think I was like, this is shit. I'm just going to post it to my SoundCloud so I can be done with it. And uh, then the producer pulled that up and is like, yeah, let's use this song. And I'm like, oh, OK. And I initially like argued with them about it. I was like, nah, let's let's not use that song. And he was like, no, no, dude, like, trust me, you gotta you gotta take like a risk on it and stuff like that. And so, I believed him, and yeah, it's it's being pretty well received. So, yeah, exactly what you were saying. Like, 
take a risk sometimes. It's fine. Just jump into it. And it totally is. And and plus, if, if it's not, if, if it doesn't pay out, then fuck it. No one's going to listen to it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. And so Courtney Bellard also produced Water Parks and Good Charlotte. I know you know that, but there might be yeah. people that are listening that, that don't know that. When you're in the room with someone of that caliber and they're saying to you, hey, here's this song that you're not sure about that I think we should put on the record. Are you kind of conflicted in that like your brain is like, yeah, Courtney's probably right, but your gut's like, fuck, don't make me do this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially um, coming at it from the aspect of he doesn't listen to the music that we play kind of thing. And because he was primarily like pop punk, pop, like in in that sort of vein and so yeah like he he doesn't really have a good reference for the music that we play versus if we went to someone like chris crummett uh who does like dance gavin dance and stuff like that he has a very good accurate representation of what the bands in the scene are doing what sounds good and what doesn't but it was also kind of nice to go in with that fresh set of eyes and ears that way we're not just writing the same album everyone else is um again we're coming at it from like a different uh different angle uh more from more from a, a pop lens and making it go uh to a more like technical mathy side rather than go from a technical mathy side and just like okay we'll try to make it a little bit more poppy kind of thing um it was it definitely would have turned out differently if we went to someone else and i really enjoyed the way it turned out uh with courtney i mean you wouldn't say if you didn't though would you <laughs> <laughs> uh, before i say anything else that could get me in trouble i'm curious about how you worked out the track list for the album um and so obviously john henry is the fourth track right and i know that you you were feeling sort of trepidation around that um and there's kind of like a natural drop-off point, I think, for people listening to albums when they don't listen to them on fucking shuffle or in a playlist. Are you kind of, do you have a number in your head where you're sort of thinking we need to get the stuff that we're most proud of or we think is most powerful, you know, into the first six, five or four tracks? Um, not really. Uh, it, it's funny because I think I actually do the opposite. I, I listen to everything on shuffle. Um unless the album like had just come out or unless I really enjoy the way the track flows from uh, track to track. There's like some uh, Circus Survive song uh, albums and like periphery albums that I'll do that for where I'll go track by track because each song flows into each other very seamlessly. And it's, it's almost like an experience from front, front to back. But um, like 95% of the times I'm like, oh, cool, new album, Shuffle. <laughs> That's so album. fucking old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I don't know. Maybe I not. I I assumed everyone else did that uh, until I really like talked to people, and I'm like, oh, I'm I'm the weird one here. Okay, but um, yeah. For the most part, we were just trying to get the album to mesh well together, have energy from front to back, almost like a, a set list. You don't want to put like all right, all like the best songs in the first half of the set and then taper off towards the end. We wanted to kind of like separate it out. Like here's the couple that we think are really big bangers, spread them out throughout the album. Uh, and then the weird songs in between, make sure they're not all too close together. So if we threw all the like weird out there songs towards the end of the album and all the songs that we think are bangers towards the front half of the album, people might get to the first weird one and be like, okay, that's enough of that. And like skip away. Um, but yeah, we wanted them to like, all right, first one, like first weird one, even if they were like, okay, that's interesting. And then hit them with another banger right after um, just to kind of keep them interested and just to have this uh, experience. And we also um, initially we wrote the album with like intros, outros, like middle parts and stuff like that. Like I, I wrote, three songs in particular uh, that all kind of like played off each other. And I'm like, all right, this one's going to be in the middle. This one's going to be the first, this one's going to be the last. And um, I think only one of them made them made it on the album, but um, Is it the first middle of the last one that made it on the album. Uh, the middle one, the one that was an actual song. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but yeah, for for the most part, we just kind of like got the track list back or uh, got all of the stems back and I threw it all into one session and started like mixing stuff around and I just exported one giant file. I'm like, listen all the way through it. Tell me what you think. And then there was, I think there was only one change we made and we like swapped around some songs and um, that's just how we felt like it flowed uh, energetically straight through and um the slow songs didn't make you feel too tired at the end of it and the fast songs didn't overwhelm you i like that i like that a lot um i'm gonna start doing that when i make playlists for people so just <laughs> shoving all of the heavy disgustingly aggressive stuff on their face right at the front um i think i read and correct me if i'm wrong that glimmer was sort of written like over and over again right was it that yeah. one yeah um how do you I know? Think... Sorry. Fuck, I'm trying to figure out who said that. Um, Glimmer, ooh, Glimmer was pretty consistent for the most part, I would say. Um, the vocals, no, actually, the vocals were the same. JK, I, I think you're. I think what you're thinking of is Crash. I, I think. But sorry, go on with your question. I'll oh, answer. Uh, the, the question was going to be. Um how do you know when a song is done? Like at what point do you go, fuck it, we can't keep working on this? Or do you have like a fixed, actually this is 100% complete? No, we have a very fixed deadline with that kind of stuff. Um, there was a lot of songs that I finished writing an hour before tracking it or less. Um, and That so, is the deadline. Yeah, then that is, that's the deadline. And so... Fuck yeah! What if you deserve it was like that? Like I wrote it the day before, and I came in and I just kept like pulling up my notes and my my lyrics, and I'm like, hold on, I sang the wrong verse, and um, because I I brought up an old verse and I was like, man, this feels weird for some reason. Why does this feel weird? And I wrote it like an hour ago, and I'm like, oh wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, it's actually this, and I scrolled to the bottom like it's my bad. Uh, so yeah, like hard deadlines are very very it, it's something that we need to do because i think all of us have had bands that uh go into the studio start recording uh or start writing an album even and like a year goes by and it's still not done and then two years goes by and it's still not done and then three years goes by and and then you just like you, you kind of give up after a little while and so to prevent that from happening we usually try to set the uh recording deadline in such a way where we can finish the songs but then we're not hyper fixated on them we're not rewriting them over and over and over again because there's a point of diminishing returns where if you just keep working on it over and over and over and over again it's just going to get worse and it's the same thing with like uh that's why we don't like mix our own albums or, or self-produce or anything like that because I've done that before and like mixed for over a year and I'm just like referencing different like oh, okay and the, this set of headphones now we're in a car and okay we got to boost the highs here just in this range okay I'll re-export it test it everywhere oh no that that makes everything a little bit too syllabant and so I gotta bring like throw a, a harsher de-esser on everything and so you get very hyper fixated on stuff if you spend too much time with it versus if there's a hard deadline where it's like, yeah, we got to get this done right now. Do whatever the first thing is that comes to your head. That's that's better in my eyes than like focusing on it too hard. That and at least you can like put it out. And even if you think it's like subpar, uh, which you're probably not going to because uh you did it and you you put in that amount of effort into it even if you think it is like not the best if you spend more time on it fuck it you have you can always re-record it later you can always uh just go back and do something else and um yeah for the most part i don't like touching songs that are already written i just like to kind of forget about it think okay cool i'm happy with that now let me write something better. That's why I like that podcasts are one take things or this style of podcast is a one take thing. If it was just me and my friends, we could just 
like shoot the shit for hours and you could spend days going through it and re-recording bits but this kind of I mean this is all off the cuff right I don't we just chat and and vibe and stuff but I like that because I know that I'm the kind of guy that would just go through and if I had the opportunity to call you back a dozen times probably fucking would (laughs) that sounds like a threat it's not but you know what I mean yeah totally yeah you don't want to get super fixated on it and 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 then stuff starts becoming unorganic at a certain point too where you're like this needs to sound a little bit better say the same exact thing but like 10 more times so yeah it would just get weird if you did that that's what my old intros used to look like you're just me fucking up one word over and over and over and just having 10 different takes and trying to and i was like this is i'm just going to shoot it once and if i nail it i'm going to carry on with my day yeah yeah that's uh, that's exactly what i was talking about with that pandora line that i had to speak um i i like spoke the line maybe 20 times i used the first take like the first take was fine I think we don't. Sorry, Sorry, you go. Just awkward pause. I was just (laughs) going to say that um, I don't think we give enough credit to the first take of things. Sometimes, sometimes things just come out perfectly. You know. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a point too where um, I notice this, especially with drums. Um, Whenever I I listen to like Tim or or any drummer record drums, really, it's like very consistently like the second take is the best for every song and like first take you're kind of getting warmed up you're kind of working out the kinks uh you're getting used to the new setup and stuff like that at least for drums um and then like second take is good third take might be better but then you're gonna start like overthinking it and then fourth take on is just unusable because you're just like i'm tired i'm overthinking things it's not natural anymore I'm getting hyper fixated on like, is this hit on? Is this hit on versus like, this is where the energy comes up. This is where it comes down. I'm just having fun kind of thing. This is um, obviously pure, purely hypothetical because all of digiting, digiting, fuck me. All of recording <laughs> is digital now um, mm-hmm. and not on tapes or analog. But do you think that doing like, you know, recording as a, as a live band or recording on tape, maybe, I, I want to say like maybe eases some of that pressure just in the sense that you're probably not going to do 50 drum takes because you can only afford so much tape. Um, I think in that aspect, it might be harder because uh, I've only recorded a tape like one, uh, no, twice actually uh, in a live setting and definitely was a lot of pressure that and there was a room full of people watching us every time so it was very strange and it's just like it's 9 a.m and i have to sing this this sucks um (laughs) and so there's stuff like that where it's like okay you guys only have two takes to get all of this right and that to me puts a lot more pressure on versus if i have infinite takes and it's a super chill studio environment I'll get it on the second take. It's just a little bit less pressure. Um, but if I have one or two takes to do it, I'll like stress myself out. That, But that's just me personally. I think like other people might totally be different. That and we're also not used to recording the tape and having two takes to do it. So I'm sure if that was the norm, then it'd be like, go, cool, fuck it. That was good enough kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I um, really like to ask bands is a sort of about the more commercial business side of being a band, right? Because, you know, you've got to make money off it at some point or another. And I know you guys have been around for about sort of five, six years now. At what point were you like, we need to start figuring out how to kind of manage this as a business? Or did you know that going into it? Um, like a couple months ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was Take me on that like... journey. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't until somewhat recently we were like, man, we got to figure out like business shit. Um, like we didn't have a contract, like a band contract um, written up for the longest time. We didn't have anything in writing, uh, barely had a bank account. Um, and so it was just kind of like, oh, just go with the flow. But after a certain point when you have people asking you for um, – like w-2s and stuff like that then 
you you kind of got to get that shit figured out. It's like, okay, what's our tax ID number? What's uh, like, how are we going to do this contractually if we're all not contractually obligated to each other? Um, and so we just had to work like we spent the entire pandemic essentially like after recording, figuring that stuff out, uh, writing contracts, uh, getting like accounts set up. That way we all have like equal say and stuff, um, make sure everything is on the up and up and writing and stuff like that. Was getting signed to Pure Noise kind of a, um, we say kick in the pants over here. Is that, I don't know if that's the expression in the US, <laughs> but was that kind of like a moment where you're like, oh shit, I should, you know, get, get on top of this? Um, pretty much. We were, we were trying to get on top of it beforehand. Um, but yeah, Pure Noise was definitely, definitely like, we should have this stuff set up. I think it was the first um, contract we were reading from them. We were like, we need our own contract and uh bank information and stuff like that and um yeah that definitely was a kick in the pants i like that saying i'm gonna start using it people i hope are gonna to be see really it strained. <laughs> yeah people are gonna be really confused anytime i use it now but uh yeah that that was a big kick in the pants so just get us going <laughs> Um, when you did you set out to sign with, with Pure Noise or did it just happen that you know they came along the terms were great deal was great there I mean we know that there are good people and they're a great label and and that kind of thing. Yeah, so we actually had uh, like a couple of other offers from other people, but um, yeah, Pure Noise like the deal they got and and the fact that like uh, Jake just was like yeah call me. And like gave gave us his number, and like just chat, chatted with him on the phone for a while, was also very cool because it was like okay cool this is not a lawyer or someone like reaching out to us this is actually like the owner sending us like a personal email with like uh, like typos and stuff like that and and like talking like an actual human being, and like saying yeah call me I just want to like talk to you and like we just talked to him not even about like signing it's just like shooting the shit for a while and it's like oh, okay cool these are really cool dudes i like that and then they uh sent us the first draft of the contract and we were like this is sick and we even uh like consulted in our our lawyers and stuff like that and they're like this is a great deal take that and um yeah they're they're just also very artist friendly which is cool um like pretty much uh our our air person will respond no matter what time i'm texting him kind of thing and so it's really that poor guy have... <laughs> you having a breakdown at three o'clock in the morning and he's just like fuck yeah i've I've, <laughs> I've uh like texted her and she's uh responded and i've looked at her uh instagram story i'm like you're out drinking. Why are you, why are you responding to me? You go, go hang out at your friend's birthday party. It's fine. Um, but yeah, like they'll like respond to you whenever you need and like answer the information, however you need it kind of thing. And they also like, they're providing us with great um, resources and stuff like that. Like I need help with this random thing. It's like a oh, sick, I have a person for that. Let me loop them in on the email. And uh definitely makes our lives much 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 easier and so yeah pure noise was definitely not a label that i thought we were going to sign to uh but i'm very happy that in 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 more of like a i don't think they would sign us kind of way mm -hmm. um but like they're they're great they're more than what i could have asked for so yeah very. you've got some awesome label mates too like oh yeah god damn yeah, we played with uh, last week a band called Carpool Tunnel. And, They've been um, on the podcast. I know those guys. Hell yeah, nice guys. Um, but yeah, they they got announced like right as soon as we were getting signed. I remember that specifically. But yeah, it was great talking to them about it because they also had the same things to say that we did. It's like, dang, it's great, isn't it? Like, like they got sent towels and shit like that, and they're like, I'm using them right now, and like pulled them out. I'm like. <laughs> Bro, I haven't gotten a towel yet. What the fuck? <laughs> Has your towel arrived? <laughs> no, not yet. Um, I think they they got that like uh, a couple months before, 
something like that but we'll, we'll start a campaign for, a for you yeah yeah we'll start a, an instagram campaign get seafloor towels or something i want a towel bro i don't have any towels at home i have I re- to, uh, to dry myself off with a hair dryer <laughs> <laughs> that's the title of the episode <laughs> i have to dry myself off with a hair dryer yeah <laughs> i re- yeah i remember having carpool on and i had the drummer on and i felt old as fuck because um he started talking about how like he grew up listening to music on his phone mm-hmm. and i was like oh man i had a walkman <laughs> <laughs> i was like am i getting too old for the scene like i think it's starting to happen yeah how old are they do you know because I'm, I'm curious if they're older than me now they're like how old are you i'm 20 <laughs> around 24 or 25 i don't remember i i had this conversation with my girlfriend the other day i couldn't figure out how old i was I th- um, <laughs> so i'm pretty sure they're younger they're younger they're like 21 20 some Ooh. 20 21 something like that god damn yeah, I know kids these days, right? Yeah, that's yeah. Because even I didn't do that. Even I had like an iPod Nano that I uh, started listening to music on. But yeah, and then I was just consistently maxed out on space, and I'm like, dang, I need to delete all these songs so I can put these songs on. And then I'm just constantly like swapping out music every every uh, couple weeks, kind of thing. I remember my first iPod Classic. Oh, and just like sick. so good right the idea that you could have all that music in your pocket whenever you wanted just yeah it was like 32 gig and you're like how much that's so much music i could put on there sick um and yet you listen to the same 25 songs over and over anyway <laughs> yeah right do they still sell those I'm very and curious. i don't think so Bro, I'm gonna look up how much an iPod Classic is right now. Yeah, that'd be really interesting to know. Um, I did hear once that they were being sold on eBay for like a grand US or something. Um, 160 gigs. Oh shit! I I see seven gen, uh, 256 gig, uh, for 300 bucks. A refurbished for uh, yeah, a refurbished 120 gig is uh. Uh, sixty-seven dollars. Sixty-seven. Uh, yes. There's a very big price discrepancy, so I don't know what's real. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing a couple on eBay for like sixty-four uh, dollars. That is. Yeah, that's I was gonna problem. say that's way cheaper than I was expecting. Yeah, I mean, they're what like fucking. 10 years 10 years old 15 years old at this point 15 years old i think yeah yeah the iphone's been around for 10 so they gotta be like 15 years old yeah i was i was initially gonna say five years but i'm like it's not been that long (laughs) and it's not how time works (laughs) (laughs) yeah i remember in like i think i was in like fourth grade when my mom got like the first generation iphone and i'm like this is absurd this is the the craziest thing i've ever seen in my life and I, like at that that point didn't understand how any of that worked like do you remember on on like old phones when you had to like all right i have internet but i can't use it it's it's basically <laughs> yeah. unusable you're like okay i can look up like dictionary definitions but that's about it and it'll cost me like 23 dollars Yes, I remember that. And I remember having a flip phone and then seeing them come like back into fact. I mean, they're much cooler now. Oh, right? yeah. But that's so funny. People are like, oh, flip phones. And I'm like, oh, they're. Ah. Yeah, the, the new razors look sick. Uh, just the fucking like flip them out and stuff. But um, yeah, I found my old. Uh... I don't have it in here. I thought I had it in here. Um, I had uh, an LG Shine, if you know what that is. But, oh uh, wow! It's the, it was the uh, like slide up, slide down phone. I I found it the other day, and I was just doing this all day, just like weird nostalgia, like twitch habit. Or I'm like, this is nice. I like that. I I wish my phone just. I I wish I just had a case that I could like flip up and just be like. But uh, yeah, now I can't. Now I got a text with two hands. I take the case on and off my phone all of the time. All the time now, like I'll just sit there like bending it. 
I get scared to do that. I there was like one time I like had a giant otter box on my phone and I took it off and just dropped on the ground, shattered it instantly. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, I'm gonna just keep the case on forever now. This is made out of plastic. It's Ooh. it's not like a high end. I I have to sort of, this is like a topic for a completely other day, but I basically <laughs> have this thing where like if you spend more than three hundred bucks or the equivalent in pounds on a phone, then you're just getting fucked. And so they're basically worth, yeah. If I lost, if it fell in a lake, Fair. it would be inconvenient, but not like the end of my world, you know? True. Yeah, my, my phone doesn't charge anymore. And uh, it's an iPhone 8. So it's getting getting a little bit old. But um, yeah, I don't want to spend money on a new phone. So I just wait for it to die. <laughs> that's that's a good model that to live now. by. But I'm, I'm just Apple purist, unfortunately, now. Um, yeah, once once you can airdrop uh like thirty gig logic sessions to each other, then it's kind of like this is dope. I like it. Let's Why go. would this you is, go back? Right. This is made for absolute idiots. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, um, this has been fun. Thanks for coming and hanging out, man. Hell yeah! Thank you for having me. <laughs> So there you have it, my conversation with Justin Murray from the Seafloor Cinema. If you enjoyed that conversation, and I really hope that you did, you should check out their new album, specifically two tracks. The first one is Glimmer, which is definitely one of the more well-known, and the second one I think you should check out is John Henry, The Man Who Beat The Machine. These definitely tracks that are standouts on the record, but also they're the ones that you know we talk about the most during the show, so good to get some context there. I miss being able to play music at the end of podcasts, but EU rules are EU rules, so here we are. Now, if you want to support the show, there are some things you can do that I would absolutely love. The first is tell a friend you think would be interested in this. The second, hit me up, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Do people still use Facebook? I don't fucking know. More Than Punk Podcast on all of those platforms. Give me a like, share a post, link to the podcast on your your own social. These things are free, but those little things can help exponentially. The more people we can get, the more bands we can have, um, and the big bands as well. So make sure you help out with that if you think it's worthwhile. I'll be back next week. And I will see you then. Have a great week, my friends.